The Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana. Celebrating age and maturity. Helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The Best of Times. Your host, Gary Coligas. Good morning, Arclotex listeners. I'm Gary Coligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only news magazine for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning in to our show today. and Also thanking those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Also thanking those who might be listening via the Radio Pup application on their Apple and Android devices. In just a few minutes, we're to learn how to deal with some senior and boomer-related issues based upon advice from a nationally known counselor. So stay tuned to our show for some beneficial information for you and your loved ones. It is Saturday, March the 2nd. We are broadcasting our radio show today from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the March issue of the Best of Times at one of our 522 distribution locations. We thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. Remember, if you're unable to find a copy, you can always visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues as well as to listen to previously broadcast radio shows of the Best of Times Radio Hour. Also, great announcement, our 2019 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory is now available at many of our distribution locations throughout northwest Louisiana. This is the new and updated resource directory that is the most popular document with our readers, and it's kept for many months and months and months, and also, of course, is viewable and downloadable from our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com. Be sure to pick up your copy very soon, as these 25,000 copies go very quickly and very few are available and remaining after April the 1st. Again, the 2019 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory is now available. Make plans to attend the End of Life Planning Expo that will take place on Saturday, March the 23rd from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. in the ballroom at Diamond Jacks Casino in Bossier City. This expo is primarily for seniors, boomers, and their family members to enable them to learn about advanced planning, advanced directories, wills, trusts, and other decisions, other legal decisions, counseling services, hospice care services, pre-planning funeral arrangements, and funeral services. Attendees will also learn how to access services to assist them from the many exhibitors at our expo. This expo is proudly sponsored by AERP Louisiana and the Best of Times magazine and radio show. Of course, there will be free admission and free parking. There will be many educational presentations, door prizes, and of course, we will hold back and have some distribution of our 2019 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory at this March 23rd End of Life Planning Expo. In addition, if you've never heard me do a radio show, you will have the opportunity because I'm going to be doing a live remote Best of Times Radio Hour from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. from the ballroom of Diamond Jack's Casino and Resort. And it would broadcast, of course, on News Radio 17 Keel. And I will be interviewing various exhibitors about death and dying issues to educate audience members as well as all of our loyal radio show listeners. 
Remember to visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com for listing of announcements made during today's radio show, as well about as well as about information about upcoming activities, news that you can use. We'll be right back with more information. But now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bear, standing country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, proudly presented by A Bears, standing country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Coligas. I do thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show as a special guest is Mr. Andy Sibley, who is a counselor in the Shreveport and Bossier City area. And he's going to be discussing advice to seniors and boomers that affect and impact them, but especially about dealing with depression and suicidal thoughts. So thank you, Andy, for joining us today here in the best of times. I'm glad to be here. I've known this gentleman uh, for a number of years. Yeah, we go back a ways. And boy, do we go back? <laughs> and he's a remarkable singer and drummer. Drummer, yeah. And you still do you still play? Uh, occasionally, not like, regularly right now. You're like me, yeah. just occasionally. I play <laughs> I play the piano and the the organ, uh, but uh, you were remarkable back oh, then. Thank I remember you. growing up, and and uh, your your band was the the Boomers. The Boomers, yeah. That's perfect name, yeah. And you weren't even a Boomer back then. <laughs> I wasn't. So well, wasn't. you should you should bring it back. The real Boomers. <laughs> yeah. You're, now you're, that we're of age, we're of age. So, so tell everybody a little bit about you. Okay. Um, my name is Andy Sibley, and I'm a master's level uh, licensed clinician. I'm a LPC, which is a licensed professional counselor, as well as an LMFT, which is a licensed marriage and family therapist. So I work with individuals. I work with families. I work with couples, work with kids, uh, kind of kind of whoever comes in. And, and uh, I've got experience working with all of them. And and I noticed from your website you have a lot of different expertise. I mean, wow, a lot of areas to specialize in. That that is very encompassing. Yeah, I, I just have a lot of different interests, and I feel like I've run into a lot of different problems that people have. Um, there's things that that I'm more experienced with, and things that I'm less experienced with. But there's over the years. I mean, it's been what 14, 15 years of just kind of learned about different topics and everything. And I'm always researching. Um, I teach college courses as, as well, um, and so that kind of keeps me fresh on new statistics and stuff like that that I think helps and benefits my practice. So you te- teach at psychology courses, right? Yes, at oh, Louisiana okay. Tech. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Right, very good. Um, the other thing I thought that very fascinating, uh, that you have an affiliation with Dr. Phil. I do. I do. Remarkable gentleman and so, show. And, edu- and wow. So tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about that real quickly. I'm well, curious about that. Um, a few years ago, several years ago now, I guess, uh, Dr. Phil had uh, been looking for different clinicians around the country with different specialities they could work with some of the guests of his show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they would, uh, if they had a guest that come on, came on and, and needed some help or whatever, he would just set them up with one of his counselors, and I was one of those. Wow, so I'd how fly fortunate. Out there and very fortunate. be with the clients and stuff like that. So very, it was a lot of fun. Well, very, that, that's a very big, big kudo, and yeah. I, I compliment you on that. <laughs> I, I remember learning about it several years ago. I think I met you, and you mentioned that. I said, well, I'm, you know, uh, of course, you can go to his website, your website, and to learn more about that. But that is, you know, yes. to be, be selected by Dr. Phil and company, yeah. that is definitely a distinct honor. So congratulations on that. So in, in you mentioned to me that 
People over 45 years of age or older have the highest suicide rate in the U.S. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That is an amazing statistic. And and the reason um, I talk about that so much is, is because it's so relevant that and it, and people don't think about it. You don't think about uh, somebody 45 years old, somebody 50, 60 as being suicidal. Um, but they but they do have um, problems with depression, anxiety, a lot of changes in life uh, that can make people kind of doubt their future. And and so the remedy is to talk with a counselor like you, or talk to family members, or or, or yeah. talk to others, others, clergy, uh, friends. Um, there's different there's different places to get some help, but certainly counseling, uh, talking to a counselor and kind of talking through that is is good. We are qualified to assess and diagnose if somebody's currently suicidal and kind of look at uh, how to help them. And, they need and, to be hospitalized or not. And you know, some people probably want to know. I'm sure they're listening today, but they have a loved one. So what are the, those common warning signs that a person may be uh, on the verge of being suicidal? Yeah, so um, there's there's several things. Not any one of them by itself really determines someone suicidal. Uh, they're kind of the same symptoms that we look for with people that are depressed. Um, and so it's kind of depression on a deeper level. So I had one person mention to me, does depression always lead to suicidal tendencies? Not at all. Not oh, at all. Okay. I think everyone or most people go through periods of kind of being depressed and having like a depressed mood or a bad outlook. They're going through a difficult time in their lives. They usually work through it and get on the other side of that. When it becomes clinical depression, then it's kind of ongoing, long-lasting uh, and it just kind of grows on itself. So, Andy, it, so Andy, explain to my listeners what what is clinical depression. Clinical means clinical means it's an actual disorder that has oh. reached a level of disorder. So, um, if someone is kind of down and and they've got the blues or whatever, that's not clinical depression. It's not something that may need to be treated with medication. It's not something that that um, may lead necessarily to being suicidal. Um, but certainly clinical depression is something that's actually a diagnosed disorder when it reaches that level of interruption in your life, like it's affecting different parts of your life. So that is determined by a psychologist, a counselor, who determines whether it's well, whether that's serious? A doctor, a, a, a psychiatrist can do that, a psychologist, which is a Ph.D. level clinician, or a clinician like myself, an LPC, uh, we're able to diagnose and, and treat we, we can't prescribe medications, but we can help get them with their doctor. And saying that that's, it's, it's getting more to more critical. Uh, yeah. yeah. The, Sometimes you have to have a, a tough conversation with folks and let them know that you're concerned about them. Well, what I see, Andy, is a problem here is some people say, well, I'm not depressed. I'm just sad. And I just, and, you know, I'm not suicidal, but, you know, I'm just mad at the whole world. So isn't it sometimes it's, it's they're in denial? They don't want to have help? Is that true? Yeah, so that's the reason we look at things like have they lost an interest in their hobbies and hanging out with family, hanging out with friends. They're kind of isolating. Sometimes that's a symptom of depression. If it's temporary and they're just kind of having some sadness, then it's not a big deal. But if it's kind of ongoing, then it becomes a bigger deal. Um, Sometimes people start to give away their their prized possessions, jackets, CDs, Start making plans, start talking about, hey, you know, when I die, this is what I want to happen, and they start preparing. That's a little bit of a warning uh, sign with kids and teenagers and, you know, all the way up to seniors. 
And, and and those individuals that get depressed, I know this. I know this lady that told me. I'm, I'm not going to mention her name, but hopefully she's not listening. Uh, she told me that she was not as depressed as much when her husband passed away. Was it? She was more depressed when her dog of 18 years died. Wow! And she was far more depressed. And you know, she just was really needing needing help. I think she ended up getting it. But you know, that's interesting. Yeah. Her spousal unit for I think. Four 45 years they were married mm-hmm. and passed away and she wasn't you know she understood there was the time to go and whatnot and but the dog was more critical in yeah. her depression yeah. yeah and and i've worked with several people who have losses of animals and animals that get sick and it really um affects them I had one young lady that uh her cat got leukemia and was really sick and she was coming in she was anxious wasn't able to go to work uh, was getting really depressed was worried about her cat dying and come to find out after a couple of weeks of talking, um, she had moved here from another state and her grandmother had actually bought her that cat and gave it to her when she moved. And so the cat kind of represented her grandmother's oh. relationship. And her grandmother had passed away and that was the last thing she had of her grandmother. So it took on this whole sense of symbolism and friendship and stuff. So pets are a big loss for people. But Eddie, mention our listeners, is it common for a suicidal tendency person to say, I think I need to be checked by Counselor Andy here. No, that doesn't really happen, does it? Well, no, a lot of times family members will point it out. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, so you'll have like a spouse or or adult child or some uh, kind of say, hey, dad, mom, you know, what's going on with this? I'm a little concerned about you. Um, I had uh, one um, woman that was, I guess, in her 40s and she had an older mom and she was struggling with um she was worried about her mom's senility uh her dementia and so she brought her mother in i was talking to her mom and one of the big uh red flags for the daughter was that mom was still talking to her husband who had passed away they've been married like 60 years he passed away she was sitting down at the at the breakfast table still talking to him about things reading the paper out loud and her daughter thought she was going crazy i talked to her i said she's not going crazy she's just kind of it's a habit and she enjoys connecting with him spiritually um, and so it, she was fine. And, and after one visit, you know, we kind of looked at each other going, hey, everything's okay. And everybody oh, that, was able to relax. That, that was a positive. Yeah, positive it was really about, neat. Positive about Really neat. So when, when I, I will say, have you seen when individuals or their family members or their spousal unit or has either uh, uh, Alzheimer's or more serious and they're starting to, to, I hate to say the word, lose it, but lose it more and more. There's depression on... Not the person with Alzheimer, it's the other person, the caregiver is taking them, right? Right. Um, the more someone's aware of their their uh, Alzheimer's, dementia, their, their uh, memory losses and stuff like that, it can be really, really frustrating. Uh, it tends to make them irritable and hard to deal with. Um, sometimes they can be depressed, but it's but you're right. The caregivers are the ones that really take the brunt because they're having to deal with them. Um, they get frustrated with them not remembering things and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's sad. It's sad that you don't want to get the caregiver burnout. And some people say, well, I'm just there. If I'm not there, you know, my mother who has Alzheimer's is going to die. Yeah. And uh, hopefully there's other people that can also respite and not make you have getting sicker and sicker, right? Right. And uh, that's one of the things I've worked with several people on that, adults that were taking care of uh, elderly parents or a parent um, and just really getting burned out, going every day after work, every day after work. Um, and so kind of helping them learn to lean on a sister or a brother or 
a friend of the family, somebody from their church or something to come in and kind of offset that a little bit, kind of prevents them from uh, completely getting burned out. Andy, what about those individuals that might have uh, a, a tendency of either over-medication themselves? Do, do you find that they eventually become more and more depressed? Yes. Sometimes medications can kind of lead to depression. If if someone's on uh, pain medicine, I mean, that pain medicine can kind of make you... Uh, less active and, and not feel good and everything and it can kind of start to lead to depression somebody has a lot of aches and pains that are untreated the aches and pains the physical aches and pains can kind of lead to feeling sad or depressed so so when you see these particular indicators that uh, a person may be suicidal um, the first thing you need to do is what do you confront the person? Do you say, did you tell mom, you know, don't feel, keep feeling hopeless? Do you, do you do point blank the, the other members in the family need to say that? Is it, is that way it works? I, I think that's a helpful thing is to have a conversation, have an honest conversation. It's important that people say, hey, mom, I'm worried about you. I see these things and I'm kind of concerned about this yeah. and this and this. Let's talk about that. Um, it's more effective to let the person have their feelings and, and say, you know, you've got a right to be sad and, and depressed and everything. Um, but I'm worried about you getting uh, to the point of being suicidal. But, yeah, confronting with them without telling them they shouldn't, you know, have a problem, uh, that they shouldn't feel bad. It's more about, well, they do. And so you got to kind of accept that and see if they're willing to go to a counselor or talk to someone uh, that they trust about it. Well, based upon your experiences, do they always jump back in defense? They're in the defensive mode? Are they in the defensive mode? Um, a lot of times they are. Uh, um, a lot of times they don't know that they're depressed. They don't see it. I mean, oh. sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. So if you're the one that's depressed, that you're probably the last person to notice it. Others will notice it first. Um, but if if it's a if it's a loving caring conversation, I think it can go well and and start the conversation and, and start to look for contributors like medications or losses that they've had in their life, uh, different things, um, lack of mobility, different things that can cause people to kind of really get down. Okay, so here's another one. I think that a lot of my ladies friends out there, guys aren't that way. We we try. Is those that are on these. Going off a diet, going on a diet, and they're getting much more frustrated, right? Yeah, yeah. Yo-yo diets are tough. Um, actually, in the middle of writing a book on that, and, oh. and from a therapist's point of view, of sometimes it's about changing your eating habits, but if you can't stick to a diet, you get on and off and on and off, and your weight goes up and down, um, then looking in your heart and seeing if there's some pain you need to heal, some depression, some, some bad feelings, some losses, uh, some things that are triggering emotional hunger as opposed to true hunger. Uh, so the, the, there's a section in, in the book that I'm working on that kind of covers that in addition to the right ways to lose weight and stuff like that. So, so Andy, the other aspect about these diets is, is it, is it like, I hate to say it, peer pressure, but is, is it pressure? Some of these ladies, not mainly, not, I don't think the guys have that peer pressure. But, <laughs> we don't care as much. But, uh, oh, well, we care. But, <laughs> we're not, you know, she's saying, I, I've heard ladies say this, God, why are on that diet? Why doesn't that diet work as well as it works on Mary Jo over there, right? Right. Um, uh, now, and they get depressed because it's not working. Especially working with couples that try to go on a diet together because guys can lose weight a lot faster uh, than, than women sometimes. And so it becomes a competition between them at first. And so that's kind of tough. 
We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, probably presented by A Bears, Tenant Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, proudly presented by A-Bears, Tenant Country at Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a special guest, is Mr. Andy Sh- Sibley, who is a counselor. I had to think about Andy. A counselor in the Shreveport and Bossier City area. And if you need to contact him, I'll, I, I will definitely give our listeners um, his phone number. His phone number is 221-4455. That's 221-4455. And Andy has a fabulous website. Very easy. It's his name. Andy, it's A-N-D-Y-S-I-B-L-E-Y dot com. And your office is still located on Jordan? Uh, yes. Uh, so we're at 820 Jordan. I'm in with uh, Shreveport Family Counseling Center. Uh, we've got, I think, six of us in there, a big counseling practice um, up on the fifth floor there. So if, if any of my listeners today have any other concerns or want to make an appointment to, to discuss those further about them or a loved one, do give them a call. Sure, even if they just have questions, not necessarily to make an appointment or anything, but if they have any questions, then I can help guide them oh, that's in kind, a direction. That's definitely kind of you. Yeah. So we're talking today about a little bit about dealing with the high suicidal rate, the high percentage of depression and anxiety. So, as a clinician, give me an exa- Give me the differences between depression and anxiety. Depression. Um, depression is usually uh, seen as low energy, uh, kind of like the, the not wanting to get out, not being interested in anything. Just that that very low feeling, and they start to have lack of optimism about their future. Okay. It's like the world is is really hard. Uh, whereas anxiety is more kind of in your head, kind of. Um, thinking about typically anxiety deals with either the past you're thinking about the past and getting worried about that or the future um and so helping people stay in the here and now kind of helps with anxiety a lot of times um but it's the it's the worry is kind of the anxiety and sometimes it's it's uh kind of cloudy where they don't know what they're upset about they're just kind of worried about things about life and feel vulnerable well, uh, and then sometimes it's specific. That would be a very difficult thing to diagnose to who, who's, who's, who's on the anxiety standpoint. Right. right. Um, so they're thinking about the future, but they're just too, they don't want to make a move, right? Is that what you're going to say? Right. Anxiety? Right. They may be worried about, you know. Uh, what job health, to select? What job to select, the health of a spouse, um, how their children or grandkids are doing. Um, as as people age, there's another concept with the, the older someone gets, typically the more vulnerable they are because of lack of mobility, lack of cognition, those kind of things can tend to make someone feel a little more vulnerable so they can have more anxiety and depression. But just because they don't feel like they can protect themselves, they can stand up for themselves, um, they're having more medical issues and stuff like that. So the older someone gets and the more medical issues that they have, the more vulnerable they are to depression. Okay, as a follow-up, Gary's thinking about all these case scenarios here. Mm-hmm. So as a follow-up, would you say anxiety is the factor where you have this, these individuals that always do not say yes or no, but maybe? Are they the maybes? They don't know whether they don't know whether to do this procedure, medical procedure or not. They're, they're sitting. Maybe I might do it. I don't know. It seems to me sometimes people need to make a yes or no. <laughs> they're, anxi- they're they have anxiety with themselves. They can't make the decision, right? right? 
So sometimes I have to tell people you don't have to make the right decision. You just have to make the best decision you can make. And sometimes that will get them unstuck. Sometimes there's something that they're thinking about that they're anxious about, about an upcoming surgery or a procedure or, or something that they need to deal with, and they don't know what the answer is for that. Um, and and whether it's the right move, and so they they just get stuck. Well, this is fascinating. So give uh, give me another example. What about uh, the? Um, because I had this senior one of my listeners uh, ask me uh, something. They're saying my kids forget to call me, and she's getting. I think she's getting more. Not depression, but anxiety. She's like waiting for the calls, but they're not coming. And Andy, I'm not the counsel here, but I told her, I said, ma'am, just call them. I mean, hey, is she, well, they're going to get upset. I said, what can they tell you? I don't want to talk to you right now, Mom. But at least give the, get to your anxiety, you know, out. Is that, is that a good advice to the lady? Right. I think, I think having good conversation, having a conversation with her kids and say, hey, I would like for you to call me more often. Um, these are the kind of things I'm thinking about. But, like, if, if uh, somebody hears from their daughter on Sunday and says, oh, my son's sick, um, and they don't hear anything, the, the, the grandparent doesn't hear anything right. for, for a while. It can cause a lot of anxiety. But that, that again, is part of uh, one of the problems as people get older, as their kids get busy with their kids and their lives and stuff, and they start to drift away. But certainly, um, a lot of times they're like, oh, I don't want to bother them. My dad does that sometimes. He's, he's <laughs> like, he'll go, he'll go, and I'll call him. He goes, oh, I was going to call you, but I didn't want to bother you. It's like, bother me, Dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but been there, done, been that, done that as well. <laughs> and, and you know this, uh, dealing with... Um, with the relatives like that, we're, we're now becoming high tech. You know, we're a multitask person. We, you know, luckily we have some of us have Facebook that we can see our grandkids and see even our kids what their activities and doing and going back and forth. And you know, we we dialogue that way. It, do you feel that's good or bad? Um, are we so dependent on these social media things now? I, and text me, text me, Dad, what you need. You know, <laughs> I don't have time to talk to you, but text me what you need. And yeah, yeah. Um, you know, texting works well with a lot of people, a lot of people that, that utilize it. Um, but people sometimes need to, need to hear a voice. They need to hear the expression in your voice. They need to uh, feel more connected. So, um, you know, that's helpful. If, if there's a long distance, like if you have a, a someone, a relative that lives uh, many states away, then FaceTiming or, or getting online and Skyping or something, um, you could actually see their face and, and stuff like that. And sometimes that makes them feel more uh, connected. Uh, another topic, Andy, which I've been hearing is uh, today I was at a meeting and these, in, these individuals were telling me their friends and stories about five grandchildren came over to stay with grandma and the, their parents do not want to take care of them anymore. Yeah, and so she's in a. She said her friends in a major depression on um, probably anxiety as well as she wants to do everything she can for him. But it's like, wow, you know, I haven't had to take care of five grandchildren or children in a long time. Yeah, she's any children, huh? So how do, how do you deal with that? What, what would you? Uh, how, I have dealt with that a few times, and sometimes uh, through divorce or someone just uh, losing their job or something. Sometimes. The, the mom will move in with her mom with her kids in tow, um, and then she's still wanting to go out and party and maybe meet some new guys or something like that, uh, and mom gets stuck with raising their children. Uh, one of the problems is that the person that was raising the child when they were smaller um, raised them a certain way with a certain philosophy of, of parenting, 
and now the grandparent may have a different philosophy mm-hmm. of parenting, and so that can cause conflict. Um, but but it's really hard. Uh, a lot of times, grandparents don't have the energy. They can't get on the floor and play. They can't chase their kid around the the uh, the house as easily. Uh, taking them on all these errands and keeping up with them and stuff. They don't have a lot of times the um, a calmness to be able to do that. But most of them out there, Norby, 99% of them do make that sacrifice. They want to make sure their grandchildren yes. are, are, are done well. Yes. Okay, uh, as, I, as you mentioned, we're doing a, a end-of-life seminar in the near future. I hope you come out there to help some of our, our um, uh, attendees at this particular uh, expo on March the 23rd. But I, I'm telling you, I've been I've been dealing with a lot of spouses who have had deaths of their significant spouse yeah and they're some of them deal with it well but others are uh, what's the word they're recluse they become recluse after yeah yeah and it's so sad it, it really is and and there's actually within the last couple of years there's been some research done uh with dealing with loss of a spouse and or loss of a loved one um, and they find that people especially people that have been together a long time you know 40 50 years they tend to be so connected um, that when they um, when that person passes away, it's really hard for them to to move on. And, and sometimes their kids are like, "Mom, you need to date again," and that kind of thing. Um, and that's where I kind of gave that example earlier of having a woman who was not interested in doing a lot of things, was not wanting to change her life, was not wanting to move in with her daughter. She wanted to continue on uh, and take her husband with her, and so. This idea of, of complicated grief or difficult grief, sometimes people can't move on and kind of put that person in the past. Sometimes they have to take that person with them. As long as they, what I listen for as a counselor is that they're engaging in life. They're doing things with friends. They're still getting out. They're um, still active. They still have a purpose in life. They're just taking that person with them instead of leaving them behind. And that's healthy. But do you get that denial from the spouse who says, you know, my husband wouldn't want me to date, or my husband, you, they're 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 making second guesses about, you know, him, right? Yeah, yeah. So how do you deal with that? How, how do, because I have a feeling a lot of the individuals are going to say that that I don't want to do do anything that would upset my husband. That you know he's now deceased, and one lady was deceased twenty five years, and she I asked her for some reason I don't know why Gary asked it's these ladies some they sometimes they tell me things. That I don't even want to know. And she says, you know, my husband's been passed away for 25 years, and I've never dated anyone. Never been out with another man. Even on a, on a, I said, don't you go to church and sit next to men? I said, well, that doesn't count. Uh, I, for 25 years. I said, yeah. you know, uh, I don't think your husband's going to be upset. You know, it's 25 years ago. And she says, no, I don't. I, I just don't feel good about doing it. And, I mean, you know, that's her right, her own prerogative. But, yeah, but if that's where she is. But I don't see a smile on her face. And that's, yeah. that's the sad one. I think she's she's still in grief 25 years. Yeah. And that's hard. That's yeah. hard. And that's part of that staying engaged in the world, staying engaged in life. As long as they're doing that, uh, then they're, you know, some people want to date, some people don't want to date, and that's fine. Um, so uh, dealing in grief is very complex, correct? Yes. Yes. Grief can be really complex. Uh, digging down and finding out um, ways to accept that there's, there's in life, uh, people are faced with problems and they have to either solve them or accept that they can't solve them. So when I'm dealing with people that may be going through a separation or a divorce, they may have to accept, hey, you're getting divorced. As much as they don't want, one one of the parties doesn't want to get divorced. Um, 
the same with a death, a loss. Uh, um, I've worked with people who lost a leg from diabetes, and, and so they had to deal with that loss of mobility and getting around, and it was really kind of hard, and they had to continue to find a purpose and uh, acceptance with their with their grandkids and stuff like that. Okay, going back to another scenario where I think a counselor is needed is sometimes when an, when you have to make that difficult decision to institutionalize your spousal unit. And you really don't want to. I, I've seen a lot of them out there. It, it's draining them, but they won't make that yes or no decision or yet the, the yes to move them to a better place that they can go visit, right? Do you yeah. see that? Oh, yeah. Um, and, and that's one of the neat things with your expo is, is people are going to be able to get some information about how do you how do you kind of give yourself permission? How do you learn to be okay that that's the best thing to, uh, to care for your spouse? Um, it's it's a really difficult decision to make, and a lot of times people have the, a sense of loyalty and uh, companionship that they just don't want to, they feel like they're hurting their spouse to do that. But sometimes a spouse will get to the point where it's in their best interest. Well, I think you might remember I used to be a home care administrator, but also a hospice administrator. And, uh, I mean, both are wonderful services, but I'm telling you, I, 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 luckily we're increasing a little bit of utilization, but it's a, hospice is wonderful, especially mm-hmm. if you have a, a Spousal unit, or even a child that is, is has a has a you know diagnosis of possibly not living for six months, that's a great service. And yeah. they, they, they provide counseling, they provide after bereavement, they provide so many things that can can help you and you deal with the progress of God, the the situation where that individual is going to be deceased, right? Yeah. And so and they don't have to go through it alone. Yeah, and that's that's the other point of it. And I've, I've been highly recommended to a lot of my friends who have these individuals that have reached that particular point. Is you know, it's not, it's definitely going to help. It won't hurt. And uh, they say, well, I want to be home with mom, you know, as much as I can, and and you know, during her days, or we want to institutionalize her and let her die in the nursing home. Well, most people don't want to die. They want to, if they are in that particular, they're they're needed enough. They want to be at home, and that yeah. can be that can be done. I mean, uh, hopefully, more and more people want that particular aspect as well. Sure. So. So what I'm saying, you're saying, is it's it's complex. And, I mean, I've had more spouse. Uh, you know, I think, I'm just making an observation here. I think the women take the, the death of a spouse of her husband more more tragically and more difficult to grieve than a, than a gentleman. Is that, have you seen that case? Is that a well, true statement? It, it can be, but sometimes it's just the opposite, which is a, a, a kind of a weird statistic for me. Um, but because women tend to take care of the household and the mm-hmm. cooking and the cleaning a little bit more than men, um, they're more structured that if they lose a spouse, it's not going to upset their daily lives. Mm-hmm. Whereas men tend to uh, have more problems with it upsetting their daily life and trying to figure out what do I cook for dinner? How do I how do I wash these jeans? That kind of thing. So it's no, it's kind of it can be either way. Yeah, it's I, amazing. I, I never thought of that. We'll be right back with more information. But now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel. Proudly presented by A-Bear, Sending Country at Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. 
Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by Bears Sending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a special guest, is Mr. Andy Sibley, who is a counselor in the Shreveport and Bossier City area. He's giving us some great advice in counseling, especially about depression, suicidal thoughts, and anxiety, which I've learned a little bit about that, about that particular syndrome, which I'm probably exi- have anxiety <laughs> tendencies all the time, but... Uh-huh. Uh, uh, that's hopefully not too much, and I think you've, you've solved some of those issues. Before we close, I want to mention his offices are located at 820 Jordan Street, Suite 5570 in Shreveport. And his number, if you want to call him, is 221-4455. That's 318-221-4455. And his website is www.andysibley. That's A-N-D-Y-S-I-B-L-E-Y.com. Thank you, Gary. So let, let's continue on. We talked about depression. We talked about suicidal thoughts. We talked about anxiety, anxiety syndrome. So what can a person do to relieve all those? What, what, what would be some of your five tips that you could probably give us here? Well, certainly um, there's more and more, I think, physicians that work with, with seniors are starting to see the benefit of antidepressants. Okay. They don't have a lot of side effects. And so sometimes... Are they, are they habit-forming? If you, have, if you get one, you have to keep taking it forever? Well, not necessarily. Uh, antidepressants, the, the newer SSRIs were kind of designed to be temporary, to get through a grieving process, to get through okay. a particularly hard time. But they've seen, I've, I've had clients that have been on... Uh, antidepressants for 20 years, 10 years, um, and they just find it takes a little bit of the anxiety, a little bit of the depression. If it kind of runs in their family or they're just their brain chemistry is such that they tend to be depressed a lot, uh, then this medication may be forever. I, I don't want to go into great details, but how does it work? I mean, how, does these, how do these drugs work? It goes to your, your brain and tells you don't be depressed anymore? Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> You'd have to ask a, a real doctor. Okay. I, um, um, it, the the it works on the serotonin, different dopamines in the brain chemistry, and what happens a lot of times is when we're stressed, when we're anxious, when we're depressed, we tend to not have these dopamines and the serotonin kind of free floating, making us feel good and optimistic about okay. the world. And so, in in my kind of way of visualizing it, is our bodies when we're upset, when we're stressed. Tells us to vacuum up all that extra serotonin and put it in storage. Good analogy. So this medication kind of blocks that vacuuming up process, so that the serotonin, the dopamines that we have, kind of stay free floating in our brains and help us. And it's not like the anti-anxiety medicine. Some of those benzodiazepines are a little more habit forming. Those are ones that are that you have to watch a little more closely. Okay, good advice. So what what other what advice would you give our listeners about about dealing with depression, anxiety and Well, I, I think because depression now there's there's a little bit of difference with men that they're going through depression. Sometimes they're misread with having anger issues. Oh, uh, they're anger frustrated, man- anger that- management. Wow. Um, okay. and sometimes- get into that. That'd be an interesting yeah. topic. <laughs> so, but de- uh, um, sometimes men tend to show their depression as anger and frustration, as opposed to sitting down crying, the classic symptoms and stuff. So we have to kind of, as clinicians, understand. Um, what kind of symptoms they're having and not be shocked by that. But a lot of times the, the spouses and family members don't understand, you know, why dad's so angry. It can't, it could be because he's depressed. Um, but anyway, uh, so, uh, with the, with the, 
depression tends to be isolating and, and losing interest. Just uh, haven't picked up your golf clubs in, in a year or so, you know, in months. Um, haven't uh, gone out with friends, haven't gone fishing, got, got this nice boat and not utilizing and everything. So that's those are one of the warning signs of, of somebody that may be depressed. So helping someone get back into hobbies, take up gardening. Um, there's 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 hobbies that you do by yourself, uh, and then there's hobbies that are more social, like playing cards, getting together with friends, and that kind of thing. So say staying socially active can be helpful. Socially active, okay. That's and that's you know so a lot of people say I don't know where to go. Where most of the churches you belong with, uh, we have many cattle parish and Bossier Parish Council on Aging's have so many activities, yeah. and there there there's so many things they can volunteer and and participate in throughout our Northwest Louisiana and throughout the United States, right? Yeah, sure. So that there's the, the when I hear some people there's nothing to do after I retire, Andy. I, I hear that a lot. There's nothing to do. I just like to work, 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 and not and not go out. I said you can volunteer. I mean, volunteering is a form of work, but it's you're going to get out and socialize with people. You know, right? I know um, uh, a couple of people that I've worked with who actually sat down and and would had a, a a process where they would volunteer in the school system and they would sit down and read stories to the kids. And so this act of altruism, doing something for others, can be healing in itself as you still feel like you're a productive person. A lot of times with retirement, people kind of work, 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 and then they retire and like, oh, this is going to be great. But their health is not the best, or, or they, their finances aren't the best. And so what they thought this was going to look like, I can go fishing every day, I can do this, I can do that, and they don't do anything. Um, so they really kind of have to make themselves find a purpose and, and try to stay busy. And, and do you do you agree, of course, they, they can use a council like you, but they, they need to get peer pressure of others to help them, family members and other persons that may be retired to help them? Yeah, um, I, I think there's some family members that can understand and they can have a conversation. Some are going to be, you know, in conflict with them a little bit, uh, trying to get them to do things like dating or something they don't want to do. Um, but having other like-minded people, uh, I think um, anyone at any age should be hanging out with peers and and opening up and talking to them and, and hanging out with them and talking about different losses, talking about good things that are happening with kids grandkids, that kind of thing. I think that's got a lot of value. But your 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 point again about socialization, I think it's critical. I mean, the the need to to people to get out and, and shit chat with people, share stories, share the good times, the bad times, but also, you know, uh, to, to contribute and help together collectively, right? Yeah. And, and there's a concept that, that um, kind of depression and isolating kind of builds on itself, this idea of inertia Things at rest tend to stay at rest. Things that are in motion tend to stay in motion. And so if you, I, I use that concept with my clients a lot to, to kind of express this. If you're just sitting around thinking about what you want to do and not doing anything um, versus getting out there and doing some things, you tend to, uh, I see people, they don't shower, they don't get up, they, don't, they, they sleep till noon or whatever, they get really depressed. It's like, okay, set your clock, get up early, go for a walk. Uh, go hang out with with other people. Go shopping, whatever. Um, but but use that inertia. Get up and move. Exercise is another big thing. If if people are are capable of doing some exercise, exercise is a wonderful way. Go in the malls and then yeah. some say, you know, I don't like to go out because it's rainier. Going to one of the malls, the shopping areas, that's right. 
Yeah. Oh, sure. Interesting round. Yeah. And that's the other reason why I do occasionally expos. It gives them an opportunity to, to wander around and visit with services and also learn about organizations that might need volunteers, et cetera. So that's why I've been doing them for 18 years, two or three a year. And it gives people opportunity. They might not want to go visit the Strand Theater or visit the Little Theater, but they can now um, talk to people there that they can go volunteer and they can learn more about it and how they can help and also uh, learn as well. So thank you, Andy, for joining us today here in the Best of Times Radio Wire. You were wonderful. Look, look forward to having you coming back again. You, you were quite educational for me, and I know for my many thousands of listeners out there as well. So, again, thank you. His telephone number, if you want more information, is 318-221-4455. His website is www.andysibley.com. Thank you, Andy, for joining us today. Thank you, Gary. We'll be right back with more information, but now with my sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bear, sending country a Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the Best of Times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, here on News Radio 710 Keel. Thank you for listening to our show today. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the March issue, as well as the 2019 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show today. I'm Gary Coligas, wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a great day. You've been listening to the best of times on 710 Keel. Join us again next Saturday at 9 for the best of times. This is News Radio 710 Keel, K E E L, Shreveport Bossier.